I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Welcome to this very special Advent edition of Outside the Walls. Uh, We're in the midst of the realization that Christ has come, and yet... And yet, even as Christ has come as a babe in the manger, even as he came as man with man to dwell, even as he came to take on our sin for us, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, even for all of these things, we still wait for the coming, for the redemption of all humanity, uh, for his coming at the end of time. This is what Advent is about. It's realizing that we live with the joy of Christmas. We live with the realization of the cross and the joy of Easter. And yet we are still a people longing for the coming of Christ. That is exceptionally clear to me given the events of this past week uh, with the shooting in both Colorado Springs where I was just miles away from it when it occurred uh, and with the the shooting in San Bernardino uh, just a few days ago where we see ever more clearly, day after day, that we live in a fallen world, longing for, crying out for, according to the book of Romans, crying out for redemption with groans that words cannot express. And so, here we are, you and I, in the season of Advent, longing for the coming of Christ. And and our readings today really have a lot to do with that. This is what the church has given us during the season of Advent, our readings, both in our prayers and our scriptures, and even in those documents of the early church that were given through the breviary, uh, we're given this idea, this, uh, this picture of longing and waiting for the coming of Christ. So we're going to spend some time here at the beginning uh, looking at those readings, letting them inform us, helping us understand what it means for us to desire and pray for and long for the coming of Christ. So together, let us pray to God, our Father, who from of old has called his people to salvation, praying, Lord, protect your people. You promise to plant the seed of justice among your people. Protect the holiness of your church. Lord, teach all men and women to listen to your word and help believers to persevere in holiness. Keep us in the love of your spirit that we may receive the mercy of your Son who is to come. Father, most merciful, strengthen us to the last until the day of the coming of Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, our Father, you love the world so much, you gave your only Son to free us from the ancient power of sin and death. Help us who wait for his coming, and lead us to true liberty. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our first reading today, here on this Saturday, first week of Advent, comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. 
Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, O people of Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, no more will you weep. He will be gracious to you when you cry out. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. The Lord will give you the bread you need and the water for which you thirst. No longer will your teacher hide himself, but with your own eyes you shall see your teacher, while from behind a voice shall sound in your ears, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or to the left. He will give rain for the seed that you sow in the ground, and the wheat that the soil produces will be rich and abundant. On that day your flock will be given pasture, and the lamb will graze in spacious meadows. The oxen and the asses that till the ground will eat silage tossed to them with shovel and pitchfork. Upon every high mountain and lofty hill there will be streams of running water. On the day of the great slaughter, when the towers fall, when the light of the moon will be like that of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times greater than the light of seven days, On the day the Lord binds up the wounds of his people, he will heal the bruises left by his blows. That reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 147. Blessed are all who wait for the Lord. Praise the Lord, for he is good. Sing praise to our God, for he is gracious. It is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. The dispersed of Israel he gathers. Blessed are all who wait for the Lord. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Blessed are all who wait for the Lord. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. To his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly. The wicked he casts to the ground. Blessed are all who wait for the Lord. The gospel today comes from the gospel of Matthew, covering chapters 9 and 10. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. For without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew covering chapters 9 and 10. Today's reading from church history comes from a treatise on the value of patience as we here wait for the coming of Christ in Advent, a treatise on the value of patience by St. Cyprian. Patience is a precept for salvation 
given us by the Lord, our teacher. Whoever endures to the end will be saved, he says. And again, if you persevere in my word, you will truly be my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Dear brethren, we must endure and persevere if we are to attain the truth and freedom we have been allowed to hope for. Faith and hope are the very meaning of our being Christians. But if faith and hope are to bear their fruit, patience is necessary. We do not seek glory now in the present, but we look for future glory. As St. Paul instructs us when he says, By hope we were saved. Now hope which is seen is not hope. How can a man hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Patient waiting is necessary if we are to be perfected in what we have begun to be, and if we are to receive from God what we hope for and believe. In another place, the same apostle instructs and teaches the just, and those active in good works, and those who store up for themselves treasures in heaven through the reward God gives them. They are to be patient also. For he says, Therefore, while we have time, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. But let us not grow weary in doing good, for we shall reap our reward in due season. Paul warns us not to grow weary in good works through impatience, not to be distracted or overcome by temptations, and so give up in the midst of our pilgrimage of praise and glory, and allow our past good deeds to count for nothing, because what was begun falls short of completion. Finally, the apostle, speaking of charity, unites it with endurance and patience. He says, Charity is always patient and kind. It is not jealous. It is not boastful. It is not given to anger. It does not think evil. It loves all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. He shows that charity can be steadfast and persevering because it has learned how to endure all things. And in another place, he says, Bear with one another lovingly, striving to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He shows us that neither unity nor peace can be maintained unless the brethren cherish each other with mutual forbearance and persevere the bond of harmony by the means of patience. That reading comes from a treatise on patience by St. Cyprian. And how important it is for us as here we live in the midst of a fallen world. We see the problems day after day of this fallen world. Uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, it's been a, a very trying week as we've, we've watched the fallenness of human nature. Uh, it's as the song says, uh, And man at war with man hears not the love song that they, the angels, bring. And so then it tells us a little bit of our job here as we are declaring the kingdom of God. As, as in the Gospels, Jesus called us to pray for workers. Well, you know, look around. We are the workers. Pray that we would go into all the world and proclaim the kingdom and say the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and the song there at the very beginning, it, it's very appropriate. And it gives us kind of a, maybe the way that we should be speaking and it says, Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. There's so much noise 
Uh, that noise is of people who are so convinced in their political ideology that they fail to see the person on the other side. They fail to see uh, that, you know, right now the big thing is the questions about uh, we've had these two large shootings and there's lots of people talking about weapons and they're talking about guns and every side seems to be talking uh, past one another. They, they, they assume the worst in one another. And uh, Simca Fisher recently, uh, in light of all this, wrote a, a blog on Alatia. And she, what she said just really kind of resonated with me. She said this. Uh, she said, I, I don't know enough about current legislation to express an opinion on legislation. I do see a grotesque fixation on guns in some quarters, and I see an equally grotesque trust in the power of the government in other quarters. And both fixations lead to their own kind of murderous disaster. I don't know what legislative solution is, but fortunately, that's not up to me. And I would say the same thing. It's not up to me what the solution is. But what I do know is my own responsibility to cry out and say, Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife and hear the angels sing, and to make the message of the angels and the message of the gospel and the message of Christ manifest in my own circle of influence. How am I fulfilling the call of Christ to pray that God would send workers, that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into the harvest, that the harvest is ready, the harvest is rich, and it now needs workers. Let's go back and look at that gospel again. Of course, this is in the gospel of Matthew chapters 9 and 10. And he says this, he says, go into the house, go into the lost sheep of the house of Israel and go and make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. How do we make that proclamation? You and I, as we go around, as we meet with our friends and loved ones this Advent season, that's a big question. We'll talk about this some more when we come back. Rest beside the weary road and hear the angels You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. There's much more to come right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Got a great show for you today as we are in this season of Advent. And that is the goal of the season of Advent, to rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Today we're talking with Megan Weber, she's a client manager for And Then There Were None, which is a pro-life ministry, reaching out to those who are uh, currently workers in an abortion facility. Megan, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So, Megan, you are a pro-life advocate. You're a speaker, uh, client manager. You work with those who are currently working in clinics. And then you're an aspiring author. Uh, you're currently writing your book in installments through your blog, uh, he is my victory.blogspot.com. People can also find you over at uh, your Facebook page, public Facebook page. Megan Weber from the Ashes. Megan Weber from the Ashes. Megan, it's a pleasure to have you here today. And we're, we're right in the middle of this season of Advent, which calls us to prepare our hearts and prepare our, 
uh, our lives for the coming of Christ, both in remembrance that Christ is coming at Christmas, but also in remembrance that Christ is coming to redeem the whole world. And this last week, we saw a little bit of uh, the need for redemption, of course, with the, the shootings that we had in Colorado Springs. And actually, my wife and I were in Colorado Springs at that time with our family. Uh, and then again, later this week in San Bernardino, California, where we've just had on heightened display uh, the need for Christ's redemption in the world. Uh, talk to us just a little bit about the redemption that you've experienced in your story as it relates to this. Well, you know, I came from a broken home. Um, nobody ever really instilled uh, morals in my life, and therefore I was just kind of left to myself to figure out what right and wrong was. And, you know, I ran into the arms of boys and ended up living a very promiscuous lifestyle that was also riddled with uh, drug abuse and just I was very far from God. Um, I didn't have any religion in my life whatsoever. And, uh, you know, ultimately it all came to a breaking point when I discovered my first unplanned pregnancy. And I was faced with some very heavy decisions. And, you know, the pressure was there to abort. And that was actually my intent. But, you know, God intervened, even though I wasn't following him he was following me and he had his hand on my life and he intervened and I chose life reluctantly. Um, but that was the first decision at the beginning of a very difficult season. Um, my life kind of became this train wreck country song where everything started <laughs> falling away and being lost. Um, including when I was three and a half months along, um, my mother ended her life by suicide. Oh my. And I actually was the last one to see her alive and the first one to, dis to discover her body. Um, it was very traumatic and eye-opening. Mm -hmm. And um, I also uh, attempted suicide the next day. And yeah. had I not been pregnant, I wouldn't have hesitated as long and therefore I wouldn't have been discovered and rescued from my own attempts. So I always tell people that my first unplanned pregnancy quite literally saved my life. Hmm. Um, then I went on to, um, you know, continue kind of living a sketchy lifestyle. I was living with my daughter's father out of wedlock and sustaining abuse in that relationship. Um, but eventually I was invited to church and I started attending and I grew closer to God and I accepted him into my life and realized that I wasn't doing so hot on my own without him. And uh, I chose to abandon everything that kept me from following him. And that included the abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but once that happened, you know, I kind of had the freedom to talk to people again. I wasn't being controlled. And I went back to my old ways and began partying and ended up pregnant again for a second time. But this time I realized that I had experienced a pro-life conversion somewhere between my first and second unplanned pregnancy. And I never considered abortion. Um, I had a value for human life at that point and the sanctity of life. Mm -hmm. And so I not only did I choose life, but I also chose abstinence for two and a half years until my wedding night. 
And, uh, you know, my husband valued me like untarnished gold and he waited for me. And uh, that alone was such beautiful redemption in my life. And so now that I've kind of lived both sides of the spectrum, you know, I just spend my days uh, sharing with others that they can have that redemption as well. Yeah. Now, here we are looking at this, this shooting specifically, and I've seen a, a number of different responses. Uh, I've seen people uh, in the news media and on, on certain blogs blaming the pro-life, uh, what they call rhetoric. Of course, all speech is rhetoric, uh, but they blaming a certain kind of speech for this kind of violence. And then I've also seen uh, pro-lifers being very quick to say, this is not us. Uh, this has nothing to do with, you know, you can't equivocate on on this matter. I think that, that we, in doing that, in defending uh, the, the pro-life movement, I think we have to be very careful to remember to be pro-life in all things and to remember the loss of life that did occur. Of course, we don't know the motives of any of the people uh, who have shot recently. Uh, but to, to recognize and I think maybe even emphasize in charity that we value all lives. We value the life of the infant. We value the life of the mother who's struggling and making that decision. And we value the life of that person who is working in the abortion industry. And that's something that you all do with And Then There Were None. Uh, Tell us a little bit about And Then There Were None, which is a a program, uh, an organization founded by Abby Johnson, who worked in the Planned Parenthood in uh, Bryan College Station, Texas, uh, until her own pro-life conversion. Of course, you're now working with that uh, organization. Uh, tell us a little bit about And Then There Were None. Okay. Well, And Then There Were None, um, we're really just entering into our fourth year of being a nonprofit organization. And in that time frame, we have now seen over 190 abortion clinic workers leave the industry and find hope and healing in Christ. And six of them have even been former abortionists who've now laid down their instruments to do no more harm. And what we do with And Then There Were None is we reach over the fence into the clinics and say, look, we know that you didn't grow up wanting to work in an abortion clinic and you deserve better than this because we also value the lives of the abortion clinic workers and the abortionists. And we, we offer them help. Uh, we offer limited financial resources because I mean, we realize that so many of these clinic workers are single parents. They have bills to pay. They need to keep food on the table. So we're reasonable and we, we understand that they can't just up and leave. Right. So we do offer financial resources when when needed, as well as we pair each clinic worker with a client manager. I am a client manager. And so they're kind of like a mentor and an emotional support to the worker during their time of transition. Um, We can connect uh, each clinic worker if they prefer to have a spiritual advisor in their life. We can help them connect with a local church if that's what they would like. And we also offer them free legal assistance Many times the workers will leave the industry because they are um, seeing red flags for illegal activity that they don't want to be involved with. Um, Sometimes they could be implicated in those illegal activities. Therefore, we 
connect them with a pro bono attorney who can cover them and help them if they choose to pursue legal action against their former employer. Um, the sweet spot of our ministry, though, is our healing retreats, and we actually have one coming up on the weekend of December 11th through the 13th, okay. and that is where we invite the former workers to attend a retreat over the weekend where they have a safe place to kind of unload their baggage, because when you leave the abortion industry, you carry a lot of heaviness and burden out with you. Yeah. So these retreats are designed to cultivate an environment where they can be released of that burden, where they can lay their uh, their regrets and their shame and their pain down and really have a, a security uh, to, to just have a place to, a confidential place to confess mm-hmm. and to share in those things with each other where you can't just go to your friends and family at times and share the horrific things you've experienced. It's, it's too much to bear at times. So we shoulder that burden with them and lead them through a weekend of healing. Um, We don't, we never require any funds to come from our clients. Uh, We model that after Christ because he didn't make us pay for our healing. Therefore our generous donors foot the cost uh, to bring them on these retreats. Of course, people can find out more information about the program, and then there were none, and how to support them over at abortionworker.com. Tell us a little bit about how that name came to be. It's really easy to remember, and so especially anytime you interact with somebody who does work in a clinic, even just saying abortionworker.com a few times, it'll repeat in their mind. Mm -hmm. So how do you first make contact? Well, we have a few different ways. Um, Every year we do a campaign. This year our campaign was called We Care For You Too because this is the 42nd year of legalized abortion in our country. And we just did a huge mail out. We sent a postcard into every single abortion clinic in our country, as well as to every abortion provider that we're aware of, Um, just letting them know about our services and that we care for them too. Um, We value the life of the abortion clinic worker in the same way that we value the life of the unborn. And then also, if you go to abortionworker.com, click on resources that um, gives you opportunities to just print out your own flyers at home. We rely heavily on sidewalk counselors. Um, Volunteers are key in getting our information out there. Um, Many of the sidewalk counselors and advocates these days are picking up our t-shirts with our information on them and they'll actually wear them on the sidewalk. Um, Sometimes they won't interact with a worker, but the worker will see the back of their t-shirt with our information and website available. Great. and also through online social media advertising. So those are great ways um, for us to get our information into the clinics. Join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls and on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. Let us know what you think. We'll be right back. Rest beside the weary road and hear the angels
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today with Megan Weber, client manager of And Then There Were None, pro-life advocacy uh, ministry that reaches out to abortion clinic workers. You can find out more information about And Then There Were None over at abortionworker.com. Megan is also an aspiring author. You can see her work at heismyvictory.blogspot.com. You can also find her public Facebook page, Megan Weber from the Ashes. Megan, thank you again uh, for coming on the show today and talking with us about this very important issue. Thanks for having me. I will share about And Then There Were None at every opportunity I can. I've just spent an amazing amount of time out uh, in front of the abortion clinic in the town I used to live in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had a little prayer garden out there called the Garden of Hope, and uh, where we went out and and prayed. And being out there, I noticed uh, that there is just a wide variety of the way that people, that Christians, that pro-lifers respond to the question of abortion. Uh, you had those who were affiliated with us and with the 40 Days for Life movement who signed the statement of peace uh, that said we're going to be peaceful in everything that we do. Uh, and so we would go out there and we would pray and we would hand out materials. And we had a, a, a mobile clinic out there that had an ultrasound and a van uh, called Go Life Mobile Medical. And they would, um, they would also respond in a peaceful manner and, and offer free ultrasounds and actually had a sign up that they put up that said no judgment zone uh, just to help differentiate from some of the other people that were out there. Uh, and you had everything from uh, very graphic signs uh, and folks shouting, not necessarily mean shouting, but shouting across the, uh, the parking lot to the very mean shouting with the signs that you would expect from maybe Westboro. Uh, just all kinds of different responses. Uh, and I want you to talk a little bit ab- about the official stance of And Then There Were None, about what is the most helpful way, uh, if you are going to be out in front of the abortion clinic, what's the most helpful way uh, to oppose abortion and yet still keep a door open for the abortion worker to come to a conversion of heart? Well, I think, first of all, we need to put away our inflammatory language. Um, you know, saying, thing like, saying things like death scourge and abortuary and death chamber. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's just not helpful. Um, it, it turns people's ears away and shuts them to the message of hope and life that we ought to be sharing. Um, you know, are terrible things happening inside? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's why we should be so fervent in picking our words wisely and picking our tones of voice as well. Um, you know, and just quickly, you know, touching on the topic of um, the graphic imagery. Mm-hmm. First of all, the abortion clinic workers, they see it all day, every day, and they are very desensitized to those images. Therefore, it does nothing to prick their conscience. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's familiar to them. And we also know from all the clinic workers who have come through our ministry that the people who stand outside holding those signs and using the inflammatory language, the workers are just picking on them. They're, mm-hmm. they're laughing. And it, it, you know, their hearts are very calloused and waxed over. Um, it's not good that they laugh at those things, but the truth is they are. So why egg them on? 
um, we need to come up with ways to um, soften our heart and to prick their conscience in a loving manner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, I was actually a regular Planned Parenthood client in my hometown. And I remember, you know, I was going in there to get contraceptives and the people on the sidewalks would yell and scream at me and call me a murderer and they'd wave their big old posters around and and I purposely just didn't even look at them. But I mean, they didn't know me. They didn't know why I was going in there and and I actually have never had an abortion. So they were wrong. I I wasn't going in there to have an abortion. Therefore, they they really were not caring about me. Mm -hmm. They, They didn't bother to take the time to find out why I was going there and And had they asked me, maybe they could have shared the message of abstinence with me. Maybe they could have educated me on how dangerous hormonal contraception is and how it's a class one carcinogen and could Mm -hmm. damage my body and potentially an unborn child, you know. So I think we just need to know who's going in there, why they're going in there and care enough about the individual to know what's going to help them trust us. Um, and what's going to put accurate information into their ears right. um, in a manner that they'll hear it. You know, as I have worked with sidewalk counselors over the years, one of the things that, uh, that I've noticed and one of the things that they've, they've brought up to me is that uh, the, the signs are really never very effective when you're trying to sidewalk counsel. Right. Because the goal of the sidewalk counselor is to be able to speak with the person, to be able to have the opportunity to hand them some material, uh, to have the opportunity to maybe make a difference. And that the signs actually make people turn away quicker and go inside faster because they're expecting uh, loudness and judgment and everything else. Uh, and and they've already calloused their heart to to the abortion. They've already actually committed the abortion in their heart. It's what uh, Jesus talks about in, in Matthew uh, saying that, you know, I, you've heard it said, don't murder. I say don't even hate your brother because murder starts in the heart. Uh, adultery starts in the heart at lust. And so he said, don't even lust. Well, here we have these young women who have already committed the abortion in their heart. And so anything that they see that that would add trauma to that, uh, it's not going to shake them away from it. It's going to push them into the clinic uh, faster than than otherwise, uh, and so I'm not opposed to to those kinds of images being brought into the public consciousness to have a conversation about what abortion really is, but but I question uh, those who would try to put it right in front of the clinic and say that it does uh, more good uh, and has more fruit than than not having it and being able to engage in conversation. Yeah. Well, I really like how Abby puts it whenever she's in a position to share that um, people want something to be angry at. Um, Abortion, it's it's horrific. It is terrible. I mean, we are we literally are chopping up babies and disposing of them. And it it is so wicked. Mm -hmm. But we cannot you know, the Bible tells us that we fight not against flesh flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the air. And 
abortion is what we need to be angry at, not the people who facilitate them and not the people who seek to obtain them. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for conversion. We need to get creative. And and just like your show is titled Out of the Box, you know, we need to get out of the box. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think oftentimes people who are flashing those pictures around outside the clinics, they're doing it for themselves because they feel like they are... um, taking a stand in the gap and that it it makes them feel good to Mm -hmm. show the truth. Um, And as you stated, you know, there, there's a time and a place to see those images. Um, I'll never forget the first time I saw a video of, um, you know, babies that had been pulled out of a dumpster and they were being documented um, for their size and gestation. And it was horrifying. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't close my eyes without seeing them. And from that day forward, I I chose to never remain silent again on the issue of abortion. Mm -hmm. But I didn't take those images and graphic videos and plaster them everywhere. Right. I knew how terrifying it was to see them and how it had changed me. But I also care deeply for the women who've had abortions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's actually something we do through our ministry is that the the clinic workers often find healing through seeing women who've had abortions find healing. And and if there's anybody who is in need of post-abortive healing resources, we would be glad to put those in your hands if you just send us an email through abortionworker.com. Um, we actually do send out uh, post-abortive healing materials. Um, so, you know, we just, we need to care about all aspects of life, you know, and we need to care for the unborn and and find ways to advocate for their protection. And we also need to care for the woman who's already had the abortion. Right. And we already know that women who've had abortions are more likely to have a second or a third or fourth because it becomes um, normal to them in the sense that they're desensitized to it. They've done it once, so their walls are weakened right. um, and they're more susceptible to a repeat abortion. And therefore, the women who are going into the clinic are often post-abortive and they just don't need to see that. It's not going to help them. It, it can traumatize them. Right. And, you know, it's important for us to remember as Catholics and as Christians that we have an obligation uh, to to stand up for what's right. But we also have an obligation, and this is scriptural, this is a scriptural mandate, to let our gentleness be known to all because the Lord is near, right? We have the, the mandate out of, out of uh, the book of First Peter that says, um, always be ready to give an answer for your hope, but do this with gentleness and respect. And then we also have that statement of Christ who said, they will know you're my disciples, by your love for one another. And so we have this mandate to us that even as we see and look into the face of great evil, we're not to become like that evil. We're rather to stand up in truth and in love uh, and to speak God's mercy into the situation. Well, why don't you let me know what you have to say about this conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. I know you've got an opinion, and I know you want to share it. Perfect place to do it. Let's start a conversation. We'll be right back after this break while we continue our conversation with Megan Weber, client manager for And Then There Were None, pro-life advocate, aspiring author, and much more. Uh, If you've missed any part of this show, you can catch it in the archives over at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back 
after this break. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, here in the special Advent edition of Outside the Walls. Just want to bring you again that reminder of our Advent task. We're talking today with Megan Weber, aspiring author. She blogs over at heismyvictory.blogspot.com. You can find her on Facebook over at Megan Weber from the Ashes. She's a client manager for And Then There Were Non-Pro-Life Advocacy. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here and uh, really appreciate you helping us get the word out about abortionworker.com. So let's talk a little bit uh, about the, this shooting that happened uh, last week. Now, it's important to remember, well, first of all, that we don't know the motives of this specific shooter. We don't know yet. The, the details haven't come out. But uh, it is not beyond the pale for someone who claims to be pro-life uh, to go in and do horrendous things in the name of the pro-life ideology. Right? You've got uh, people who have gone in and shot abortionists because they thought, well, I am saving so many lives. Uh, and yet the gospel doesn't allow for that response. Well, and then there were none opposes violence of all forms. And I think it's important to remember that regardless of where violence takes place and who is inflicting that violence, that um, certainly somebody who is pro-life, one, won't do those things and two, won't condone them. So, I mean, really this... The issue of violence is so much bigger um, than the media is painting it out to be. And, you know, it's important as pro-life people to always take that position that violence of any form is, is wrong. It is evil. And we can never celebrate the loss of life um, mm-hmm. when act- when the violence has been a part of that. Um, you know, we we know that abortion will end through conversion and we're seeing that take place. Um, you know, our motto and a phrase we have on the back of all of our t-shirts is that if there's no abortion clinic workers, then there's no abortion clinics and then there's no abortion and that it starts with the workers. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we know that when we love them and we love them right where they're at, um, that, Prayerfully, they'll eventually stand beside us in this effort for life because deep down in our souls, you know, we know that it's wrong to to end life. It's written on our hearts. Yeah. Well, Megan, y'all are doing such important work over at Then There Were None, uh, reaching out as as Christ did and calling us to go out into the world. In fact, earlier in the show, our readings talked about Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into the harvest. And we're so thankful for the work you're doing. Uh, And also, of course, hope that other people will get involved. You can find out more information over at abortionworker.com. Megan, is there anything that you want to leave us with? One last thing. Um, We have had many clients come to us, and we find that they're people of faith, and and they're sitting in our churches every Mm -hmm. Sunday. Um, And so... 
the chance of somebody who's listening to this program who's actually working in an abortion clinic is actually kind of high. So I just wanted to put the message out there that, um, you know, we are willing to work with anybody in the abortion industry at any stage of their uh, conversion. And if you still work in a clinic, um, please contact us through abortionworker.com. Even if you're afraid to leave right away, we can help you get started on um, your resume and helping you look for new for new employment even before you quit your job. So please spread that message loud and clear that um, you know we work with people even before they quit. We will help you in any way we can. Excellent. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having us and God bless you. Well, if you've missed any part of this show, you can catch the archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. We'll be putting up that link here very shortly. You can catch this whole episode. Uh, You know, if you have someone that you know that maybe you think could benefit from this, whether they are someone who works in the abortion industry or whether they're someone who may be a little bit too zealous uh, without enough charity as they approach the issue of abortion, why don't you uh, why don't you send them the link to this? Uh, of course, again, the archives are over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Join the conversation. Let us know what you think over at Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. I'm going to leave you today with a little bit of an extended bumper music session. We're going to listen to a verse from O Holy Night as a reminder of what we are to be about as Christians, not only in the season of Advent, but year-round. Uh, This comes from my father's brand new Christmas album, O Come, O Come. You can order it over at wesleyputnam.org, wesleyputnam.org. Or if you feel lucky, real lucky, we're going to be giving it away right before Christmas right here on the show. Uh, But I encourage you, buy it for Christmas gifts, spread it around, spread the Christmas cheer. Uh, This is a great CD, one you're not going to want to miss. Add it to your collection. Again, you can get that at wesleyputnam.org. Well, Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast, bringing you excellent interviews from around the Catholic world, exploring the foundations of our faith and looking at the implications of our faith on our daily life. Until next week. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful Oh
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.